0: Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life.
1: That's what I call pro talk. When you really don't know the answer, you just make it up. It's
0: my
2: rut is that I am in a rut. To get the pilot of Red Arrow going, there's really a way to skip class. I want
1: to say, hey, those boys right there are
2: There you go. <laughs> That's the nicest thing anybody's
0: ever said on this podcast. Alex Rutley here with American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Lee and Tiffany Lukasiewicz from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Dury with Dury Outdoors. Hey, this is Craig. This with Train Assassins TV. You're listening to Dave and JP on Pro Talk Outdoors, the craziest two of us.
2: Hey everybody, thanks for sitting down or walking or whatever it is you're doing, but uh, if you're listening to this right now, that means you clicked on another episode of Pro Talk Outdoors, and we can't thank you enough for that, and uh, you know, we've really enjoyed the the time we've had doing this podcast, and just want everybody to know that it's going to continue to be going strong for the foreseeable future, and uh, even though we don't have a guest today, we feel like uh, this is going to be a pretty strong episode as well. And here we are sitting in the middle of July. We've had all kinds of, of fun adventures already this year. 2019's been a it, bit of a banner year.
1: It has been action-packed. I mean, it, we've, uh, we've been on fishing trips. We've, uh, we've caught a lot of really good fish and uh, had great turkey season. And uh, I think you and I both are on the same page. We have completely 100% transitioned slapdab right in the middle of it's time to find some big deer.
2: A hundred percent. And it's so funny that, you know, right as deer season ends, you know, December, January, I get the fishing bug so darn bad I can't stand it. In the last few years, it feels like end of July, beginning of August, I get the deer bug so bad I can't stand it. This year, it hit on the 4th of July. I mean, it it hit early, which is odd because particularly in the area we live in, we've come to terms with the fact that we're going to be facing... I don't want to use the term difficult, but it's really, it's going to be, but the most interesting and different year that we've experienced in a long time. And actually for me, my entire hunting career, if you will, you know, this will only be my fifth deer season I'm rolling into here. And I've not ever experienced a scenario like we're about to.
1: Well, I've been at it for, for a long time. And, um, I, I, I would say even myself. This is, this is going to be. I don't know if you want to call it a season on the brink, kind (laughs) of. But it's kind. I mean, it kind of is. It's it's just fitting for Indiana. Yeah, it's just it's going to be a different ball game all the way around. Um, You know, since I've been food plotting, and and that's been the last several years. But since I've been food plotting, I've not had this type of scenario. And what we're talking about basically is uh, the flooding and the wet year that we've had. Every farmer in our area, and I'm talking, well, I mean, you could extend that to the Midwest everywhere, really. Um, everyone has struggled to get their crops out, and a lot of farmers just didn't get it out. I mean, they right. just didn't get anything planted and uh, took their crop insurance if they have that or their subsidies or, or anything, what have you. But um, it, it's it's going to pose a... Um, a different type year all the way across the board for everybody whether you food plot or you don't you need to recognize that this year is going to be different and you need to adjust accordingly
2: well yeah and you have to make those adjustments now if not in action on your farm which you should at least in your you know mind frame you know your yeah. your frame of mind has to be different this year you know in last year by all accounts was actually a, a wet year, but it was wet in all the right times, in all the right ways, and it dried out. It was out. a
1: productive wet. It was a very productive <laughs> wet.
2: Like, And and the point I'm getting at is a lot of folks had a bumper acorn crop last year. The farm I hunt on in Indiana, uh, the, the, both of them actually, w- were spectacular acorn crops. And if you believe the almanac type wives' tale that every other year is gonna be good for acorns, well, you can't fall back on those necessarily this year either, if you believe that. Now, obviously, there's going to be some out there, but maybe not like it was last year. So you well, know,
1: last year was such a good mass crop that oh, I mean, was everybody incredible. was complaining because there were too many options in the woods. It spread things out. Yeah, it, it totally spread everything out. It, it kept it kept the deer in the woods, off the food plots or the the ag fields a lot in the fall, and and it, it there were so many options in the woods mm-hmm. that you know. Essentially a big deer could bed right where he was eating at and he could eat anywhere in there because there were everywhere you looked the mass trees were just covered with acorns, you know, everything was the red oaks, white oaks, pin oaks, chestnut oaks, you, you name it. They had everything to eat that they wanted, mm-hmm. you know, and um
2: and some folks called it what was it, a trickle rut because they yeah. never saw that moment where, you know, deer were just running wild through the woods and bucks were traveling farm to farm. Well, you know, the does were staying so close, tight-knit to where they they wanted to be that the bucks didn't have to.
1: Yeah, they're just, there just wasn't a whole lot of... It uh, wasn't a trickle
2: rut. It was just where the the mass crop was. Yeah,
1: I mean, when the food is spread out, deer are going to have to go to the food. You know, they right. they got to feed um, eventually or at some point. And, um, this year... With the uh, the agricultural issues going on, uh, yeah, we've talked at length off the air here, J.P. You and I have how we're going to try to. Um, Combat those issues and what we're going to do to to adjust our game plan. But I think it's pretty important that that we discuss some different options for everybody out there. Mm-hmm.
2: And and I wrote down some notes here. Obviously, it's things that you and I Look have at already you
1: planning things. I didn't write down any well, notes. Well, I, I normally don't. We're, we kind of <laughs>
2: shoot from the hip a lot of times. But I felt like for for something like this, where you and I are just going to have a, an in depth discussion like this, it might be appropriate. But. Uh the the main thing for me and I compartmentalize this a little bit. I want to start with soybeans. I mean, that's a crop that is present all over the Midwest and anywhere that that there's soybeans, you typically will have some good deer numbers. They absolutely love it all through the summer. You know, you're you're they're going to turn off when they turn brown, but they come back on with a rage when the a uh, freeze or a real hard frost will hit and they get sweet again. But this year, like you mentioned, there's so many folks that didn't get those in the ground. What is the long-term impact of that going to be just in specific to soybeans? Do you think deer are going to orient more to corn that maybe did get in the ground? Are they going to try to find, you know, more browse? I
1: think we have to break this down to, like, times of the season. You know, like, so if you're talking early, well, let's just talk summertime right now. I mean, that's where we're at. So right now, instead of uh, deer having lots and lots of soybean acres to go and, and, uh, forage on. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot of that in the ground right now. Um, so, I mean, those deer are having to, um, if, if it's available, I mean, they're an alfalfa or clover, but odds are there's not a lot of that available, maybe if, if it's an agricultural area. So they're having to just basically they're going off of browse, you know, and they're staying in the timber a little bit, maybe the uh, field edges, and they're just going off of browse. Um,
2: And I think you're going to see the effects of that on your trail camera. And you and I were just looking at pictures here a moment ago. I really believe that the deer are going to be thinner bodied this year. Oh, absolutely they are, We've got a small sample size here from from early summer, but at least at this juncture, they're way underweight. And I think you're going to see the effects of that on into season because of poor nutrition right now and in early yes. part of the deer season it's going to be harder when you get in your stand on opening day or maybe even in the middle of the rut to judge that deer on the hoof is this a three-year-old is this a mature buck what is this those, you hit you hit those the nail
1: on the head there fine with lines
2: are going to be tough to judge
1: you know and that's something you go on social media or facebook and there's just you know all those different those different uh, groups how old is this deer well, I mean, and I'm not uh, good at it. Well, and it's going to be even harder for me. There's no now. way to definitely tell by looking at a picture how old a deer is unless you have a history with them. Mm-hmm. And and a perfect example of that is earlier today I I ran cameras um on some of my farms and I got a picture of a really good buck. I mean, looked really good. I mean, probably probably going to be in the f- 150s when he's done growing, I would say. But Body-wise, I looked at him like, my gosh, and I sent pictures to you, and the first thing you said was like, man, he doesn't weigh very much. He looks pretty small. Right. So by the naked eye, had I not had a history with that buck, had I not got his pictures last year, I would have said, man, that might be a two-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> look honestly, at the genetics there. If you, yeah. if you looked at the body size of this buck, you would have thought, that's a two-year-old, you know? I mean, that's kind of what he looked like. And uh, But, you know, you go back and you look at the pictures last year, when it was a good uh, you know every, he had everything he wanted to eat there everything was yep. good we had the right type of moisture out there i mean it was a good wet year but in a good way mm-hmm. everything grew well um he was a lot bigger a lot heavier uh, on the hoof and um Boy, but his antlers really blew up this year. I mean, he, he's he's gotten a lot bigger. But and we'll get
2: into that later. I haven't actually a point about antler growth. We're not even talking yeah, about okay, that. Right?
1: Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we'll we'll table that a little bit later. But as far as the soybean thing goes, y- you know, those deer eating on something, uh, they're going to be browsing or they're going to relocate. I don't think corn really even kind of at this it, during this time frame. It's too early. I, It it doesn't even correlate at all because you know corn. They're not going to even eat that corn until it gets uh you know gets some ears on and on that stuff's so far behind. You know they say knee high by the Fourth of July for your corn, and um, it wasn't there for most farmers. No, I mean, there's a few of them that are, <laughs> but not very many.
2: You know, it, it, one thing I was thinking about is is folks that. Are food plotting and and they know farmers that aren't getting their fields planted at all whatsoever and and maybe are going to have the opportunity to have a few more acres to try to food plot. Obviously, you're late on a lot of this stuff, but if you've gotten beans in the ground or if you're still considering trying that, you know, hopefully you're doing it over the next day or two because <laughs> it's it's getting late in the game. Do you plant more to make your food plot? just the absolute dynamite, ultimate attractor. And obviously, you've got one farm where you put a pretty high concentration of beans every year. Unfortunately, this year, you toned it back oh, because yeah. you wanted to play <laughs> it differently, and <laughs> then did. Mother Nature dealt you a bad hand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, yeah, you hit exactly right there, JP. I mean, so on this farm... In the past, I had put four to five acres of beans out. Which is quite a bit for a bean it's a food lot. plot. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, and it, it usually gets the deer through, and, and uh, I have some, some pods there. You know, they're eating on the bean pods all the way up into uh, January. But this year, I thought, I'm going to go with a little different game plan. I'm going to go less beans, and then I'm going to come in later with some Deadly Dozen and... um which is 12 different type seed blends but it's basically a fall food plot it, it doesn't do anything in the summertime and
2: but i mean it's it's a it was a tremendous hunting strategy oh, it, you came up with
1: you know and i still think it's going to play out just fine but now i'm kind of here here's where my mind's at with it i know what got planted what didn't get planted in our area very little got planted. There's a lot of farmers real close to this farm that didn't get anything in the ground. So really essentially those deer in in that area they're living off of my food plot and whatever browses in the area. That's what they have.
2: And and that's going to really amplify the pressure and make that acreage not go as far as it normally They're hammering goes. those
1: beans. You know, the beans that I did put out, they're I mean, I don't even know if they're going to pod. You know, they're they're just hammering the forage on it. So Essentially, I think that I need to get more food in the ground than what 100%. I initially planned. And, and not just more, I actually think I need to plant it a little earlier than what I was going to plant it. And the reason being is I want to I draw those deer in before the season. I want to give them plenty to eat, get their body masked up, and you know just, uh, just hold them around and, and have them healthier going into the fall.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you you have to get ready for the rut if you're a deer. Yeah. So your frame of mind is going to be food, 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 until it goes to that other thing. And I think the, the main thing, you know, you mentioned there about planning it early is a great idea. And I think the other thing that you can key in on, and this is, I didn't bring this up to you yet, and correct me if you disagree, is obviously you're going to have certain areas of your beans that get browsed heavier, either because of where the deer choose to come out of the woods and into the field, yep. the way they naturally move through, the, where they feel safer within that field. I think those areas of your heaviest brows are going to be pummeled so hard that they're going to be rendel- rendered essentially useless by the time hunting season gets there. Yep. I think that gives you an opportunity to replant that same area that's already just been mowed down with more deadly dozen.
1: It it does. And and I you know, I was thinking about that um earlier as I was looking at it. And and I don't know if uh if I'm gonna still go with the hard edge Deadly Dozen there and do something different where that those beans got demolished, maybe put some oats in there or something, but Definitely some kind of plot topper there, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason not to put more food down there. I mean, because uh, you're going
2: to have areas that are maxed out. Yeah, they're done. W-
1: we need, you know, in my thought process is I need to throw as much food at them as I can get to grow, and uh, they need it. I mean, they they really do need it. Um, I, I think I told you this, but just uh, the other day, um, Johnny Sandlin, the guy I talk about all, uh, quite a bit, he's a farmer in the area, a good friend, and he calls me up and says, hey. Come on out. I want you to look at some stuff. He said, I'm thinking about food plotting. which was totally foreign because he's a farmer. Everything he has is a food <laughs> they plot. They farm it. You know, yeah. I mean, they that's what they do. You know, they're they are there to make money. And uh, he's a deer hunter, but, you know, they didn't get it all planted this year. And they didn't get a whole lot planted. And he basically was saying the same thing we're talking about. He said, hey, you know, the farmer to the north didn't get stuff planted. The farmer to the west didn't get stuff planted. My deer aren't going to be here. You know, they're going to mm-hmm. go elsewhere. He's, right. he's concerned about that. He's concerned about um, them moving on, you know, a mile down the road where there's some, some ag planted. So yep. he said, I want to plant some food plots. Come come, take a look at it and see what you think. So even he's got that frame of mind.
2: You know, and I've had folks uh, that I've had this discussion very lightly at a at a high level, just, you know barely touching on it. Maybe some folks that don't even really get into to whitetail hunting and some that do. Who said, Oh man, you know, deer creatures a habit, you know, a four, five, six year old deer, he's going to continue to do the same things he's always done. And same for that nanny doe or or her young and I disagree because it's hard to compare one to a human, but let's say you you're a truck driver and you drive the same hundred and fifty mile route all the time and you like to stop every day for lunch at the same Ryan's buffet. Let's say on Tuesday you drive by that buffet and all of a sudden it's closed. Well, you're not stopping on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or the next week. You're finding a new place to go eat. You know, you're not going to yep. come back and say, "Oh, I wonder if it's open again tomorrow." You're going to go what takes care of you. You're not going to go with what you've done in the past.
1: I- I'll put it in a little bit better terms for some of the listeners out there. You got this bar that you always go to on <laughs> Friday or Saturday <laughs> night yeah. because it's full of the girls. Yeah. You know, the, all 100%. all the hot ladies are in there. And all of a sudden, you realize you go a couple times in a row and you realize, hey, numbers aren't good in here now. Mm-hmm. This is a sausage fest. <laughs> this is not what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. It, yep. You're going to go elsewhere. You're going to start looking at other bars. You're going to different watering holes. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah,
2: It, it 100%. So the folks that, that make the creature habit argument you're going to have a tough season if you're out there yeah. and i can't wait to talk to you afterwards not to say i told you so but just to see what you did to correct there
1: it. there's going to be those guys that get lucky and that that have those stands set up that they go and hunt every single year and they do well most years they they're going to have some success but by and large things are just different and and this is this is going to be an opportunity year for somebody to go out and do something to separate their property away from other properties. And, and make no mistake, mm-hmm. you're not just playing a chess match with the deer. You're playing a chess match with with your neighbors.
2: A hundred percent.
1: You this this is a golden opportunity for you to pull deer in from your neighbors' properties. And if you're not looking at it like that, then you're really you're selling yourself way short.
2: Yeah, you can't look at it as like, well, man, Mother Nature just dealt us all a really bad hand. It's just it's going to be a tough hill to climb. Sure, but may the best land manager win. Uh, I think there's one thing right now that I can think of in in Indiana. You can't do it in all states, but in Indiana, especially a state like Kentucky, mineral becomes so important right now because of the nutrients. And this is where I wanted yep. to get back to the antler growth. There's a lot of things that go into that, more than what you and I even understand, and, and even biologists. <laughs> that's, that's a very complex puzzle that creates the bone on top of their head. but. So many folks know that there's certain nutrients that a deer has to have that if you supplemental feed, they'll get more of that, and there will be improved results. I, I think it's so important this year, not only for the bucks, but also for the does, who are, you know, they're, they've they got little ones they're trying to feed and, and everything like that. I mean, that, that nutrition and supplemental feeding is going to be incredibly important. And if you're not into a high-quality mineral like a maximizer, if you're just putting corn out there. I think even that can help. But in particular, I mean, if you want to use a good mineral, I think this is the year that it can
1: really bail you out. It, it absolutely is very important. And, and, you know, I pulled pulled cards today and got, you know, pictures and was going through them. And, and you know, I had, a, I had a good buck on camera, but my favorite picture was one of an old doe that, I get pictures of her and I, I know her well because she's got this weird looking snout on her. And every year I a bit see of a schnoz, her schnoz, huh? Yeah. Oh she looked looked like she was in a fight with Tyson. Man, <laughs> looked she looked like Gonzo. Looks looks like Sylvester Stallone in Rocky after <laughs> he fought Clever Lane. So you know she just looks messed up. But anyway, she she always has one fawn with her. Every year, like the last three years. She's getting to be an old girl. This year, triplets. Wow, triplets this year and all three of those fawns and her hammering that maximizer. I mean, they're there every morning, b- about every 6 hours they're in that maximizer.
2: Well, and th- and that's why it's best termed supplemental feeding, you know, supplemental mineral. You know, it's a supplement to their natural diet and when that natural diet is lacking, that's that's super important.
1: Yeah. It is and and, and it comes back to are you willing to go the extra mile to do everything you can to help out your deer herd and in turn help out your season? And the, the maximizer, the mineral, and again, well, like you said, JP, if you're not using maximizer, use something. Do something. I mean, do something. Do something to help those deer out right now. Because I can tell you, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're probably pretty serious about your deer hunting and you probably already pulled some cameras and you probably noticed that a lot of those deer. Looking a little thin. You can count the ribs
2: on some of them. Now.
1: They're looking pretty thin. They need some help. I mean, it's it's a good time to get something out there to give them some assistance to get through.
2: Now, obviously, a state like Indiana, you've got to get that out before the season and all the remnants, you know, 30 yep. days before season starts. In states like Illinois, you can't do it at all. But then a state like Kentucky, where we also hunt, you can have mineral year round if you would like. You can have corn year round if you would like. How important do you think that's going to be when season does start? We've talked a little bit about preseason. Let's talk about season itself.
1: Well, I mean, I, I don't think anybody would argue with the fact. There's there's some purists out there that think it's just completely wrong to hunt over feed um, of any kind of or or a mineral side or anything like that. Yeah, that's. That's a, a debate that other people can have. I'm not having that debate. As no, far as just, I'm concerned, it's, the impact is what yeah, we want to talk yeah, about. It, the impact. I think you, you really need to be giving these deer some assistance to get through the entire year. Are they going to live without it? Yeah, sure, they will. They absolutely will. But if you now, want, maybe your not herd, all of them. You never. Well, know. that's true. There, there's going to be a mortality right there. But if you want to give your deer the best that they can have to to reach their potential. You know, to be the health healthiest they can be. I don't think it stops. You know, whenever September or October rolls around, uh, if you're in a state where it's legal, I think you continue that all the way through.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you and know? if
1: you don't want to hunt over it, don't. Yeah. You know exactly. Designate an area for for that to happen, though. I, I really think that's that's very beneficial uh, for your deer herd.
2: But I, I think a, a state like Kentucky, especially, you know, when early season, you can you can really capitalize on a feeding pattern. I think that's just going to be amplified this year. So if you're a, a hunter in Kentucky where you can get out there in early September and, and hunt a food source and hunt over bait if you would like, I think this is your year to probably do really, really well over corn.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Especially, like, if you were there opening day instead of at a wedding. But <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: Some of us are getting married for the first time. Oh, uh, yeah. Here. I hear you, man. I hear you. So you know we've talked a little bit about mineral. We've talked about preseason plans and 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 how the moves you make now are going to have dividends pay off later on in the season. But you know the progress and the impact it makes in the immediacy is is also very important. It can't be understated. You know we we touched a little bit on natural browse like like acorns and, and other things. What uh, do you think some folks are going to be able to? To key in on, you know, a white oak or a red oak or a pin oak this year and, and have some success that they wouldn't otherwise have, or do you think maybe uh that bumper crop that most folks had last year is is really gonna pose a bit of a problem this year?
1: I I don't know if it poses a problem. I actually I think that maybe uh it might actually be beneficial this year um to unless guys unless they
2: get eaten too early i mean obviously some well, continue to fall but well that
1: that's the thing if if you can find during season like it and it might be difficult in indiana because you know our season opens october 1st if those uh, acorns start hitting the ground in september you might be in trouble they may be gone um but if if you can find a producing um say a white oak or red oak or something in the woods, I don't think they're all going to be producing like they were last year. No, I, think I don't I think that's, that's an absolute rarity that you have that much mass crop in one year that we had last year. But it, So I think it's going to be more isolated patches here and there that are going to produce. If you can locate one that's producing well and you can time it and get in there, I think you can have a great season by hunting that.
2: Persimmon is another thing. Yep. I mean, it, if, if your season comes in early enough where you can capitalize on that, I Think that could be another really. I'll really tell you, big one.
1: I'll give you another one that that guys should really focus on. These, if you know where they're at or if you've seen them, is a pawpaw. If you can find a pawpaw patch or that some people call them an Indiana banana or whatever, they do you know what I'm talking about with mm-hmm. a pawpaw? Yeah. So yeah, like if you can find some of those, they will end up being a good natural forage for deer as well. Especially in a year like this. It's normally I don't think they're a preferred food source. But they will be uh, they will be important this year. I tell you another one, um, the locust pods off of the, uh, the honey locust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, that's that's one that, that that I've noticed in the years past being really good. And I think that in a year where there's not as much ag, I think maybe those will be become uh, pretty important this year as well.
2: I think this is a good place to take a quick break and come back and get into the remainder of how you can use this either to your advantage or try to overcome some hurdles when it comes to the hunting portion. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pro Talk Outdoors. (laughs) Whether you're afield or afloat, a good knife is a necessary tool to have at your disposal. Cavemen couldn't go without it, and you shouldn't either. If you're looking for a lifetime guaranteed American-made knife that will hold up to next-level abuse, we've got just the thing for you. Big Tough American Knives bring more than a cool name to the table. They bring small-batch, handmade knives with a lifetime guarantee to outperform mass-produced competitors. And if you snag a field knife you love, give Josh and the BTAC team a shout-out about some of their kitchen or processing knives as well. Big Tough American Knives is the official blade of Pro Talk Outdoors.
1: It's mid-spring, and like a lot of other folks, we're spending a ton of time out on the water. This is also a very important time for us as deer hunters and herd managers. Bucks are just now starting to show us who they are and pack on antler growth, But more importantly, those fawns are getting ready to hit the ground. If you want to do something to help out the deer in your area, try Maximizer Mineral by Real World Wildlife Products. For more information, go to realworldwildlifeproducts.com.
2: Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this one. It's a pretty good little brainstorming session. It's uh, basically the, the child of some... Broken conversations you and I have had over the last week and a half, and uh, we're just putting it all into one consolidated episode and, and, and diving in deep on it. And we just kind of lightly have started touching on how this can affect your hunting season, the uh, the environmental factors that we're all dealing with here in the Midwest. Um, you know, you touched on you know some natural browse things that you can really key on during season. Do you think this could be a year where a, a natural woodsman Really shows his
1: true oh, value. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I think guys like that stand out year in and year out anyway. But especially in, this year, especially in a year like this where you know it's the ag issue. Um, it's going to take because let's face it, a lot of more novice hunters or guys that that aren't as good a woodsman. They're field hunters. They they sit on the edge of fields. I, I mean, I've been guilty of doing that for years myself. I I'm not near as good a woodsman as what I'd like to be myself. But I think those guys that that really really can key in on. Um, Things that happen in the woods, the natural forages, the the natural transitions inside the timber,
2: and we're talking about that September through mid-October f- time frame yes. right now, guys. Yeah. We're not talking about the rut. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Yeah, I
1: think those guys that can that can recognize where the deer are feeding at at that time because they're they're not going to be in the ag fields. I think those guys are, can be really successful. This really plays into their hands. I think.
2: I. I agree, and and just like we mentioned earlier, I truly believe deer are not only going to travel differently in the summer, but I think they're going to travel differently during the season as well for all of the same reasons, because you can't forget that just because your deer season, let's say, starts sometime in September or the 1st of October, that doesn't mean that their mind frame changes completely from what it did during the summer. Sure, it's a little different, but they're still thinking about food, cover, water. So I think you're absolutely correct that that natural woodsman or, or somebody with some really uh, tuned-in skills is going to do well. I think uh, getting close to bedding areas is going to be even more important this year than ever, because especially for somebody like me who's not as good a natural woodsman or, or somebody down the road that, that doesn't pick out natural brows near as well as somebody that can. You know, Maybe you can identify a bedding area. Maybe you're smart enough to hunt correct winds and, and pick a high-odds day. I think those times where you can get near a bed and figure out how a deer moves out and around it is even more important this year if you don't understand natural browse.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, bringing up the bedding issue, I mean, a guy like Dan Infault, um uh, he doesn't hunt ag anyway, you know. I mean, he's 99% of the time or maybe 95% of the time, he's hunting those thick wooded marsh-type areas and stuff or big woods bucks. And Yeah, the fact that ag didn't get planted is not going to have any impact on a guy like that. It may so help <laughs> it, it, Absolutely, it could help. So, I mean, if those type of hunters, those guys that have that style, I think uh, they they could be in for a really good year. And um, this is
2: the time right now, and this is why we're having this episode in July. Uh, you're not going to become an expert between now and deer season, but you can get a darn sight better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You, you sure can. And, and
2: there's no shame in going on Google. At least I don't think there is, because that's what I've been doing. I've been Googling natural browse for deer and images. As silly as that sounds, you know, you know some when you see them, but there's some out there that I had no idea existed.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. Look at a reputable source, and I'm sure you are. You're not looking Uh, at, you know, um, Shade Tree Joe down here and seeing what he says. But um, there's plenty, plenty of good sites and good information out there from uh, forestry services, from, uh, you know, Department of Natural Resources for any given state. They're going to have good information If you know a biologist, ask him. Absolutely. He'll be glad to talk about it. Uh, You know, I think those biologists, especially the state biologists, I think they love to have people call and, and show interest in stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's it's probably not as much fun just to to stare at uh, computers and then and, and get out there and walk around as much as it is to actually have people engaged and interested in what you're doing. Yep, 100%. So,
2: you know, we've talked a good bit now about the early part of the season and getting into mid-late October. How do you think this could impact the rut, if at all? You know, I, and let's let's take that – Last two, three days of October to where pre-rut really heats up, all the way through, let's say, late November when the last little bit of breeding is, is really going on, primary breeding, I should say.
1: Well, let's uh, let's look at it this way. I think if, um, let's look at it from, from a couple different viewpoints. Let's say that you've done nothing uh, to help keep deer on your property. You've done no supplemental feeding. You've done no food plotting. You're just going out there and going back to your same old stand that you ever went to. Um, I think that it, it's going to be boom or bust. You're either going to be in it or you're you're going to be basically on a desert island out there and you're not going to see anything. And, and most likely you're not going to see much because those deer are going to react to where the food and the cover is at. And if your neighbor right. is feeding or has food plots, and you don't, I mean, that's where the does are going to be, and that's where the bucks are going to be looking for them. Right. If nobody in the area is doing anything, the deer are still going to be eating and browse, and they're going to be around, and I think that they're probably going to be a little bit more spread out, so it's going to be not so much a trickle rut like we had last year. What we saw, I think the deer are going to have to move more, travel more to find does to breed. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case... You may see more daytime activity with bucks moving around. But again, if you're not in the right place, you're not going to see anything.
2: Right. And uh, and I agree. I I think the impact on buck travel is going to be heavily impacted uh, because, let's be honest, just like a human, the dudes are going where the ladies are at. And, you know, if there's heavy concentrations or if if there's an area where there's no concentration – that's going to cause a lot of travel one way or the other. It's either going to cause a bunch of them to come in because it's where the food is, it's where the ladies are, or it's going to cause a bunch of them to go out. you got to get in that space in between if you've got access to it. And, and I agree with you 100%. I've got a, a limited sample size. There's folks listening to this that have hunted six times as long as I have. But from what I've seen and everything I've learned so far, I think this year it's going to be an incredible amount of movement, but it's figuring out getting in between those two places and 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 being somewhere at least near the food. You have to be. Yeah, I mean, so and I you're going to see
1: a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I guess really if, let's just say you are the guy that that has the property that the farmer didn't get the ag planted, and he's not going to allow you to plant any uh, food plots. Don't and
2: concentrate your efforts there, is my well, advice. Well,
1: let's just... Be aware. I mean, that may be the only place this guy's got to hunt. Sure. You know, it may be, that may be the only property you have to hunt. Be aware of where the food is in your area. Right. If you're, you know, if you
2: know where your neighbor's is, yeah, that if, tells you what part of your property you need to concentrate your yeah, efforts Yeah, and, and
1: I'm not saying go sit on the property line and hunt the fence, but what I'm saying is recognize where those those feeding areas are the best you can, and then... You know, kind of relate that to where the cover is on your property and try to get in there somewhere in between and try to capitalize on where those deer are moving to and from. If you don't have the food, but you have the cover, realize, you know, try to recognize where the food is so you can get in between there. And chances are you probably already
2: have a set there if you're listening to this. You probably already have a set in that kind of area, but you don't. uh, Maybe you spread the love out a little bit. Maybe you like to give some love to your food plot or this area or the ag fields. You know, now it's going to make your choices a little bit easier. So, you know, I've said this to you every season I've ever hunted. Man, I have a hard time sometimes deciding where to go sit because, you know, we've done a lot all through the year to manage our land and to, to understand the ag and have the food plots. Well, I think this year the choices are actually going to be a lot easier to make because you're going to have much fewer of them they are going to yield re- good results. So you, know, yeah. you, you mentioned before we started that there's a possibility you can spend a challenging environmental year like this in your favor, and I think that's one of the ways you can do it because if you lay out a list of six or seven stands on a normal set of conditions and you have to try to figure out which one is the highest odds, I think you can cut that in half this year.
1: Yeah, you can, and but that also could pose a problem if you're not careful. You have to still hunt smart and you right. have to still hunt during the right conditions and you have to, hunt, you know, you don't want to just because, you know, your, your good stand options may be more limited this year, but, and they could be much better. You know, that could create, that could make, you know, a smaller sample size of your stands.
2: You can still overhunt it, though.
1: Yes, you absolutely can overhunt it. you got to be careful and still not overhunt those stands. you uh, you got to be willing to uh, lay off of them and, and only hunt in the right conditions. And the guys that are are persistent enough and determined enough and uh, uh, thoughtful enough to do that, mm-hmm. uh, strong-willed enough, I think are going to be successful. Um
2: but I, th- I think if there's ever a year to be smart and not hunt mornings until November, this is the year. Absolutely. Because, you know, where you might be able to get away with that because, you know, there's some, some different uh, density in different places. You're not getting away with anything this year. And,
1: and let's face it, if, if, if you don't have a, an excellent food source on your property, uh, excuse me, and you go in there in the mornings and you're bumping deer out, they may find some good food somewhere wherever you bump them to and they're probably not coming back.
2: Right. They yeah, a hundred percent. You know, and, and I think the the other thing you need to think about is obviously when when you get into this and the pressure is on all around you and, and you know how your neighbors are hunting, or if you don't, it's worth the conversation and, and you don't have to be doing it uh in a in an investigative reporter kind of way or you know, some detective. Figure out how your neighbors are hunting and, and that can help you even take a let's say, a 100-yard a strip that you know is going to be the best area this year, and maybe narrow that down to a 30-yard strip because of how that neighbor hunts. Uh, I think keying in on their behavior is going to be even more, more important because if we've all got less areas that are productive, then you need to tone down your area that you're trying to focus in on as well. So, you know, the days that aren't good, don't go out there. Go film your buddy. Go you know, shopping with your wife or do something. Put some honeydew time Ugh. in. Put some honeydew time in. I, it's, I know it's, what it's you gonna. Mean. It's <laughs> gonna be better spent. Yeah, Than absolutely. burning out one of the few locations that can be productive. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Ultimately, let's you know, let's wrap this episode up with the overall final impact this could have. <clears throat> the overall harvest number. Where do you think it'll be?
1: Oh in man! Uh, you know, are, are we looking at just uh, we we looking at a specific state here? What do we?
2: I say the Midwest in general. I mean, it. You know the the rain isn't ex- exclusive. To... <coughs> Excuse me, man, I'm struggling. The rain isn't exclusive to Indiana, it's Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio, Iowa, Kansas. All these places have been really wet. Yeah. So I want to make a general you know, assessment of the Midwest there, uh, if you will. And I'm going to say that I think harvest numbers are going to be down 15%.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I'd go as as strong as 15%, but I I was going to say 10. I do think that that it's going to be a down year across the board. But again, I, I can't stress this enough that I don't think it has to be a down year for everybody listening to this. I think, I don't think that so you, either. You literally can turn this into a bang-up year. If it, it, But it, it starts right now. I mean, when you're listening to this right now, you need to be thinking about what you can do on your particular property yep. to make that as plush as it possibly can. and Because there's a golden opportunity here. To not just keep the deer on your property, but to bring in deer from your neighbors that didn't get ag planted and didn't food plot. Because, uh, let's face it, not a lot of guys food plot anyway. I mean, there's a good number that do, but it's pretty easy to find excuses not to do it when conditions are bad. And, you know, the conditions have been bad in most areas, so...
2: But, you know, there's always the fall food plots. I know we're going to key in on those as well. I would advise you to do the same. Obviously, we uh, we love our real-world wildlife products, so head out to that yeah. website. The Deadly Dozen, to me, it, it, even in a great year, is my favorite food plot. And this year, it can be so important for you.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that, the fall food plotting. And, folks, the Deadly Dozen, in particular, uh <laughs> Key time to plant that, let's just say, you know, say you're along the Ohio River, north to south there between Indiana and Kentucky. If you're, uh, you know, around that, that area there, you, you want to key in on the last week of August, first week of September is the ideal time to plant that. Now, the reason being, um, the wheat that's in there uh, and the oats, everything that that, that would go to seed if you plant it too soon it'll go to seed and it won't grow back in the spring um so basically it's not a good useful food plot at all um for early turkey season you know for the deer to start hitting it as soon as green up happens but however given the situation with this year and the lack of food in a lot of areas earlier in the podcast we talked about getting some food planted early yep i actually am am going to go ahead and pull the trigger and plant that stuff a couple weeks early. Just because with with the way that the the whole season has been with extremely wet and the deer not having a lot of food to eat, I'm going to sacrifice basically the the early grow back in 2020 and say I want to get as much food in the ground right now that they can eat to get those deer comfortable on my property in 2019.
2: You know, take somebody like myself that's had success over Deadly Dozen in November. Uh, You know, that's my favorite time to hunt. It is late October, early November, and I think that's when you've got the most options. Things haven't quite been completely browsed, the first things that popped up, and you've still got some of the seed varieties that are maturing at that time, and that's how that plot is designed, that that blend is designed. I think shifting it earlier, obviously, you're going to have your maturation rates occur earlier, but I think that gives you the opportunity... To cash in earlier, you know. It, right. Obviously, you know, bucks are going to behave differently in November than they do October, no matter whether there's food or there's not. But I think if that's a, an isolated food source, if it's a rarity, if it's really an important part of your property, like yours is going to be when you plant it early, those opportunities that maybe you didn't get until late October, I think you may be able to get earlier in the month. Because yeah, quite possible.
1: Quite possibly, and uh i I don't think you're really sacrificing too much on the back end there because you do have a lot of those uh brassicas and and turnips and everything that whenever it it does get the frost or the freeze that they turn really palatable for the deer and they're going to start eating those those really well so i don't think there's as much of a drawback of planting it early other than just you lose that next spring grow back there uh period of time frame but hey you know I'll cross that bridge when I get to it, but i'm I'm really concerned about um the deer herd and right you know on my properties for two thousand and nineteen, given the uh difficult growth season that we've had
2: yep if you don't roll with the punches this year, well, you're probably gonna end up on the mat, yep. So hey, I hope you guys have enjoyed this one. I know it was no pro, but I think we had a lot of good stuff to talk about here, and hopefully these are conversations you've had with your buddy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are all important things to to be thinking about going forward. And and if anybody's got any questions, shoot us. Uh, you know, shoot us a, a message on on Facebook or Instagram or uh, any of those things. You know, you can go to Johnny Pace or, or Dave Barrett on uh, on our personal pages as well. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a picture. Um, of that buck that, do. Uh, that I haven't even named. I haven't named that buck. I need to name that deer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to share a picture from him from 2018 versus 2019, and I'd be interested to let people see the body size of this deer.
2: Yeah, I, I would love to see people's reaction to it. Uh, and, and if you think that's a cool thing for us to do, we can do more of that. We want to be interactive. So any idea you may or may not have, shoot it over to us. We're, uh, we're pretty well an open book. Until next time. Hook 'em or hunt 'em. Pro Talk Outdoors.
1: Later, guys.